I'm going to invite you to open your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Daniel, where we have been. We will eventually land in Daniel chapter 6 this morning, but we are going to talk about a topic together this morning that at first may not sound like it's for everyone in the room, but it really is. And I believe if you stick with me for just a few moments, you're going to see that too. Here's the question. How can I be a leader worth following? So let's just start with this question. What is leadership? What is leadership? Um, The McKinsey Group, who is a, a, a group that teaches leadership, says that leadership is a set of behaviors used to help people align their collective direction, to execute strategic plans, and to continually review an organization. The Harvard Business Review, and they they know some things. They said, leadership is the accomplishment of a goal through the direction of human assistance. Sounded very sterile to me. Here's my favorite definition, and John Maxwell actually said this. He said, leadership is, can anybody answer it for me? Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence. So why should every single one of us unequivocally want to be a leader. We want to be leaders because we want to influence the people around us. Now, just think for a moment about the way that you as a believer want to be an influence. I'm going to give you some answers in a moment, but I just want to give you just a moment. Just think about that. What are some ways that as a child of God, you want to be an influence in other people's lives? Now, help me. What is a way that you want to be an influence of others? Somebody tell me. Give me one. To your grandchildren. Um, We we want to influence our children and our, our grandchildren to do what? To become more like Jesus. As a as a godly parent or grandparent, we want to influence our children and our grandchildren. To pursue Jesus. Anybody else? Give me another way that you want to be an influence as a follower of Christ. That others would see Christ Jesus in you. Yeah, we want want to be, this is the way Jesus put that. Uh, Jesus said that you are the light of the world. Right? We want to shine light in dark places. We're we're called to season our culture uh, with the grace of God, our our desire to be influenced, um, the influence of Jesus, the light of Jesus shining through us, exposing sin and corruption in our lives first and, and in those around us, taking the love and the light of Jesus to the world. Uh, we we, we, we want to act as a preserving force in the world as salt and light. Uh, we, we, we want to think about this. It's the most important one. All right, if I'm going to influence others as a child of God, what is the number one thing I'm called to? It's to win them to Jesus. The number one goal of my life is to know and worship him and to obey his great commission. And we want to win others to Jesus. We're called to take his gospel to the nations. We talk about this all of the time in hope that we never become numb. I mean, just think about this, gang. 
What a glorious opportunity we have. We get to share the love of God through us to other people. Like that should absolutely shock and amaze us that God would choose to use us and work through us for our good and for his glory. This is, we want to influence each other in the church, in the body of Christ. This is why you guys, so many of you, we're in small groups and Sunday school classes, not just because we enjoy time with our friends, although we do, but because we are called to urge one another on towards godliness in Christ Jesus. We want to influence each other. So, you know what that makes you? Makes you a leader. If leadership is influence, then everybody in the room is a leader because everyone has influence over someone. Really quickly, if you have a pen and paper and are taking notes, if not, you could do this on your phone or you could just do this mentally if you need to. I want you to take a moment. I want you to make a list of the people in your life that right now you're trying to be an influence over. Let's just take a minute, one minute, and make a list of the names of people that right now you are trying to be and influence over. Keep writing. Chances are you, you could, the more you sit with this thought, the more names you will write, the more names that you'll begin to think about, the more people that will come into your mind that you are seeking to be an influence over. It may start with your spouse and your children, but then the next thing you know, you're writing down the name of of your employees if you're a business owner. You're writing down the name of the people that you manage if you're a manager. You're writing down the name of coworkers. You're writing down the name of students. You're writing down the name of the person that works at your favorite coffee shop or Mexican restaurant, your favorite server at your favorite restaurant. You're writing down the name of your mailman or the Amazon driver. You're right. Look, these are people that the Lord... I mean, isn't it amazing? These are the people the Lord has drawn to your life that you have the opportunity to be an influence over. You're a leader. Leadership is not just for CEOs. Leadership is for everyone because influence is for everyone. And if leadership is influence, then there is no reason why every one of us in the room today should not seek to become the absolute best leaders we can be. Now, before we jump into Scripture this morning, I want to ask you a second question. Who's been an influence in your life? Who's been a leader in in your life? Who was that person? Sometimes just one name will come to mind before the rest. When I was thinking about this, um, here's the name that came into my mind. Miss Fryer. Nobody knows Miss Fryer. Dad laughs because he may remember the name Miss Fryer. Miss Fryer was my second grade teacher. I am 44 years old, and the first name that came into my mind was my second grade teacher. And I'm going to tell you why. Because she was an influence in my life at a time that I desperately needed an adult in my life outside of my family to look at me and say, you can do things. You're special. And you're important. 
I had this lady, and she was, I'll just be honest with you, Miss Fryer, as an adult, when I look back on it, uh, she was a little nutty. But she needed to be. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. If you're a second-grade teacher in the room this morning, you probably are a little nutty, and those kids, maybe they've made you nutty, or maybe you got into it because you're nutty. I don't know. But we're grateful for you. And she was, a, she was a, I mean, she was a little nutty. But I remember Miss Fryer so fondly because she made me feel like a somebody. She made me feel special and important. And what a gift to give a child. What a gift to give somebody else. See, when you are an influence and seek to be an influence, influenced by the Holy Spirit... God uses you in remarkable ways. A 44-year-old man remembering how his second grade, I don't remember one lesson from that year, but I remember how she made me feel. What an influence she was in my life. The question is not, am I a leader? The question is, am I a leader worth following? Well, Daniel was. And we look at the life of Daniel, we can learn a great deal about leadership and influence from his life. How do we know that? Because some 3,000 years later, we're studying him um, because he was continually given more and more responsibility from three different kings because we know that God approved of his leadership. Why? Because in the story we're going to read this morning, God rescued him and used him as a prophet to his people. So what are the things that we can learn about being a leader worth following from the prophet Daniel? I told you we'd wind up in Daniel chapter 6. If you want to flip back to Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read some verses there first. But here is the first thing that we learn about Daniel. Number one, he was people-focused. Daniel focused on people. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, we've read this passage several times. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Read between the lines there and see what he's talking about. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. How do we know that Daniel was focused on people? Well, did you notice the way that Daniel engaged with this man who was actually his, his very enemy? Right? We know that Daniel is a man of deep conviction. And though Daniel and his friends declined the king's food, I love how they did it in a respectful way. Look at it. Look at the way he engaged with this man. Daniel's request to be able to eat the food that, that, that his convictions told him he should be eating, his request was not met with derision and scorn, that the king's servant was willing to listen to Daniel and did so with favor and compassion. Why do you think that is? Look at his approach. Daniel always focused on people. Uh, uh, Daniel has a conviction Let's, we, we've talked about this resolve that he has in previous weeks. Uh, but look at how he treats someone who could be viewed as his enemy in this situation. You see, he asked. He, he, he asked that he was actually, what's the word? 
for the way he treated this man. He was nice to him. And when the eunuch responded with, why should I put my head out there for you? Why should I get my head cut off? Because I don't follow the orders of the king. Daniel responded by saying, well, we don't want to put you in a bad spot, so let me bear the weight of this choice. Here's the deal. Daniel found favor because he stuck to his conviction, but also because he was not a jerk. When somebody approaches you with conviction, but they're ugly about it, what do you, what do you tend to do? Man, I shut down. I shut down. My guess is you either shut down or you fight back. Daniel goes with a strong conviction, but with kindness in his heart, because he treats people first. There are many believers today where we get the first part right, we have the conviction, but we fail on the second part of the equation. We have conviction, but we don't have a conviction to be kind as we carry out our conviction. We have convictions today really on everything, don't we? You think about this cultural moment that we live in. People have never seemed to disagree more today, or they seem to disagree more today than they ever have before. You try to have a conversation about politics. You try to have a conversation about things that we used to, it seems like, just be able to discuss. And we might disagree, and we might say, oh, that's a good point. Have you thought about this? Because here's what people used to have. People used to have opinions. Some people have opinions about everything. But now it seems like everybody has convictions about everything. And we're have entered into a, a place in our, in our culture where we don't know how to disagree with each other honorably anymore. And when you can disagree with someone and still show them honor the way Daniel did, watch out. You've just won the right to influence them. And that's what we're called to do. This is bad leadership when we have good conviction, but we have bad conviction about kindness. Godly leadership sees people for who they are. Created in the image of Christ Jesus, worthy of dignity and respect, no matter how much we disagree with one another. Remember, our call, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is to invest in other exiles and to influence our enemies. We can't do that when we're treating people like second-class citizens or trash. Paul calls us to outdo one another in showing honor. So our focus as leaders, as influencers, should be on people and not our projects. We focus on people. People are not obstacles to us as followers of Jesus. People are opportunities to show off the grace of God. Jim Collins is one of my favorite uh, leadership experts, authors, and writes on business primarily. He wrote a book called Good to Great. And he explained that his study of top-rated corporations showed this, that humility and the attitude of service by corporate CEOs and managers were more important components of the company's successful productivity. What he called the level five leader was an individual who blends extreme personal humility with intense professional will. Collins noted that they are generally very driven and visionary, but they're humble. 
That, it seems, is an unusual combination. I believe you and I ought to have rock-solid convictions. Where the word of God speaks, you can plant a stake there and have a conviction, have a backbone about some things. You're called to have a backbone about some things. But you set yourself apart as an influencer and as a leader when you have a backbone about some things, but you're humble and you're kind. Collins may have been writing to the general business world, not Christian leadership, yet this kind of leadership is exactly what we found taught in the New Testament by none other than Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 20, but Jesus called them to him and said, he's talking about his best friends, the disciples that have been walking closely with them. And he says, you, you know, guys, that the rulers of the Gentiles, the influencers of the Gentiles, the leaders of the Gentiles, lord it over them. And their great ones exercise great authority over them. And then he looked at them. The men who would be the first in the movement of Christianity as leaders themselves. And he said, don't do what they do. It shall not be so among you. You must be, but whoever would be great among you must be your, what's the word he used? Servant. Whoever will be great among you must be what? A servant. Let's say that with a little confidence. But whoever would be great among you must be your? What are we called to be, church? We're called to be? Servants. Jesus couldn't have been more clear when he says, this is how they do it. Don't do it that way. Be a servant. Love people. Treat them with kindness. Let your conviction be equaled by the grace of God that you show to people when they disagree with you. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The true test of leadership and influence is how willing we are to lay down our own agenda and preferences in order to win people to Jesus. I'm going to say it again because I'm not sure you heard me. The true test is modeling after Jesus, being willing to lay down for others. My wants, his life, to win them to influence them with the gospel. Leadership is about influence and how we influence each other. How can we be used to bring good things into their lives? What a trust and a gift that is. If you're a Christian leader, then God is choosing to work through you for the good of others. The problem for many leaders is that oftentimes we get so dialed in to a project or the metrics that we neglect to focus on the people we're called to lead and influence. Don't be so wrapped up in your to-do list that you bypass the people that you're called to do it with. You with me? People are more important than projects, no matter how important the project is. Projects are not going to last forever. But people will last forever. So what, what can we do? Let me give you a couple little practical things before we move on to the next point. Spend time daily investing in relationships at work, at home, and in your community. Find a way to invest in relationships, not just projects. Invest in people. Invest in the people you work with. How can I add value to their lives? 
How can I serve them? How can I, how, how, how can I bring some good to them? How can I invest in my children? How can I invest in my grandchildren? How can I bring value to their lives as a granddad, as a grandmother? How can, I, how can I add value to them? And secondly, pray regularly for people in your sphere of influence. Pray for them by name. Pray for their spouses. Pray for their children. Ask them what their prayer needs are. We want to be people-focused. Good leaders are people-focused. Second thing we see about Daniel is that he was wisdom-trained. He's people-focused. He was wisdom-trained. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, and it says, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery regarding Nebuchadnezzar's dream, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. And have the key here is that Daniel says that God gives wisdom to those who are wise. God doesn't give wisdom to the foolish. God gives wisdom to the wise. Why is that? Because wise people know what to do with wisdom. The only thing that makes somebody a fool is that they refuse to learn. Daniel was a wise man because God would make him wise. And Daniel was always open to receiving wisdom from the Lord. I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. And you have and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. A godly leader is trained by wisdom. What that means is that as we walk through our own lives, we observe and we reflect on the lessons that the Lord is teaching us. Paul, again, teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Being trained by wisdom means that we're learning the lessons that God has for us and we're sharing them with others. That's why being people-focused has to be foundational in our lives as influencers. If we're not people-focused, we cannot be wisdom-led. How can we be wisdom-led? <clears throat> Share the lessons you're learning with others. When God teaches you something in your Bible study or when God teaches you something in your Sunday school class, when God teaches you something just in your day-to-day -day interactions with people, don't keep that to yourself, but share that with other people. 
Share the good things that you're learning, even if they're hard lessons learned, with other people. Look for opportunities not only to share your successes, but look for opportunities to share how you have dropped the ball. Look for opportunities to share where you've failed. Be humble enough to share with those around you how you got it wrong. Can I just tell you, parents in the room, grandparents in the room, can I just remind the grandparents in the room if I, if I can for a moment? As parents, we have no idea what we're doing. And you didn't either. <laughs> but listen to me. You have so much wisdom, but we don't need to just hear what we're doing wrong. We need to hear what you got wrong. Like one of the best lessons a grandparent can pass down to a parent is to tell them, here's what I wish I had focused on differently when you were a child. And that takes a great amount of humility. And parents, we need to be humble enough to sit with our children and say, here's where dad got it wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Will you forgive me? One of the most powerful things we can give to other people, especially children and our grandchildren, is an apology. And so let's share not only our successes, and this is what we did, right? But here's where we could have done things a little differently. See your opportunities as challenges to grow. Winston Churchill said, I'm always ready to learn, though I do not always like being taught. I don't always like a lesson, but I'm always ready to learn. Harry S. Truman said, I love this. I had to print this out and put it on my wall. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. <laughs> if you and I want to be leaders who are used of God to make a difference in other people's lives the way Daniel was, then we need to commit to never stop learning. Proverbs 31. Um, actually, what I meant to say was there are 31 Proverbs. 31 Proverbs. That means you can read a proverb a day, the corresponding proverb every day for the rest of your life. So today was the 27th proverb. And you know what I read this morning? Here's the lesson for me this morning. Listen, whoever blesses his neighbor... We want to be a blessing to our neighbors, right? Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud noise rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. <laughs> Anybody in the room not a morning person? You would be cursing to you if you were greeted with loud songs of praise early in the morning. So, uh, you know, we laugh, but there are things... Read a proverb a day. This is a great way to be trained by wisdom. Asher and I are going through the Proverbs together. We're reading a proverb every day, and we've committed to talk about it. Read Proverb 27 a day. Just add it to your quiet time. You can do it in five minutes, and you'll be blessed by it. Be trained by wisdom. Read. Read great leaders. Read hard subjects. Read things that you might even disagree with so that you can learn new perspectives, and you can know why you disagree with them. Read, try and understand, never stop growing and challenging yourself. Be trained by wisdom. And then finally, the thing that we look at Daniel and we can see the most is that Daniel was spirit-led. So a good leader, there are many, many qualities. These are just three. But a good leader is going to be people-focused. They're going to be wisdom-trained. But more than anything, we're going to be led by the very Spirit of God. 
We're talking about being Christian leaders, godly leaders, who are seeking to be salt and lives in other people. Other people's lives. Daniel as a man demonstrated total dependence on his heavenly father. Remember that Daniel served under three different kings, maybe four. The first king that Daniel served was Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. After Nebuchadnezzar passed away, his, king, his son, King Belshazzar, became his successor. Daniel served him. And then he was followed by King Darius, who many believe was the same person as King Cyrus. When Darius the Mede took over the Babylonian kingdom, you'll know this story, uh, his jealous leaders recommended that none should worship anyone other than Darius. Like, Darius, if you really want to be a king, if you want to be the type of king that Nebuchadnezzar was, you want to walk into a room and just command respect, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that you have no rival in the kingdom. Well, that sounded good to the king. Right? And so, I mean, you, you know what fell, uh, uh, what fell down after that. They, they did this because they resented the favor that Daniel had cultivated with the king. And if they could get him convicted, they could be free of him and have him thrown into the lion's den. But here is what Daniel had already purposed in his heart a proverb that maybe he'd even learned as a youth. Do you know it? Trust. In the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. When I lean on my own understanding, I'm incapable of fully trusting God. Because I look at a situation and I, I, I see what's observable. I see what's right in front of me. I, I, I see how I feel, I, I see the obstacles, I, I see the things that, that trouble me. My, my vision is limited, my perspective is flawed, my desires cloud my judgment. Acknowledging the Lord means I recognize, admit, and trust that he is able to make straight paths where I can't see a way forward. It, it, it's not my job to make my path straight. According to the wisdom writer, it's my job to trust in my whole heart. It's my job to refuse to lean on my own understanding. It's my job to acknowledge him and his heart for me and to walk the straight paths that he lays out in front of me. Daniel understood what it meant that he would trust the Lord no matter what. He would seek the wisdom of God's spirit in his life and he would trust God with results. So let's end our time together by looking at Daniel chapter six. Let's just read this together, if you will, with me. And it pleased Darius to set the whole kingdom, to set over the whole kingdom, 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps could give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was found in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What a, 
What a great thing for somebody to be able to say. The only way we're going to find a flaw is it has to do with how closely he follows his Savior. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever! All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction. Sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And the king said, that sounds good to me. So therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, do you see this? He didn't even have to question it. Why? He trusted in the Lord with his whole heart. He committed a long time ago not to lean on his own understanding, but in all his ways to acknowledge his heavenly father, and he was going to walk on the straight paths that were set out before him. And for Daniel, because he had trusted the Lord, the path in front of him looked remarkably straight. Although someone who is not trusted in the Lord would look at the path and say, that looks really, really crooked to me. But his trust of the Lord gave him an otherworldly perspective. So when Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem and he got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before God as he had done previously. Just kept doing what he did. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said... The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians. It cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. These men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians. No injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of the day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions, and he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And to Daniel, that was a silly question. Because the question to Daniel was the same as it was to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not, it's not a question of, is he able? Oh, yes, he's able. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. 
My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, and I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. Listen, gang. Leadership at the end of the day for a follower of Jesus means we get so dialed in to the voice of the Spirit in our lives that when he says go, we go. When he presents an opportunity, we say, I see it. And the longer, and some of you saints in the room that have walked with Jesus longer than I've been alive, and I want you to know, some of us in the room that are you, we, we look to you. We're, we're watching how you trust the Lord, and we're learning from you. Because you're, you're, some of you are like Daniel, that you have served the Lord Continually, and so I'd say to everybody my age in the room and younger teenagers in the room, look to some folks that have walked with the Lord continually. This is what it means. This is what it means to be trained by wisdom. Look to some folks that have that have walked with the Lord the way Daniel did continually. Learn to trust in the Lord with your whole heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on your own understanding because your own understanding is going to say this or it's going to say that. But the straight path is the one the Spirit of God will lead you down when you trust him. He'll make your straight path. That's a leader worth following. The leader that walks the straight path. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I'm going to ask you just a, a couple questions here. Just for us to ponder together. Let's end our time together by just asking this. What, what, what character trait in my life today is the Lord trying to purify? What, 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 where in my life can I be a more pure reflection of the character of Christ? I would just ask right now, Heavenly Father, would you show us what attitude, what action in my own life would you like to see become more like your son, Jesus? If you're here this morning, and as we talk about what it looks like to be a godly leader, just the reality is, if you don't have God in your life, you can't be a godly leader. There's some principles here that we all can follow, whether we know Jesus or not. But the most important one is being led by the Spirit of God. And if you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, directing you, He can't lead you. So if you're here this morning, you've never trusted in Jesus. You've never bowed your life to Him. The Bible says today, today, this moment, is the moment of salvation for you. So I would just urge you, wherever you're at this morning, in a moment we're going to stand and sing. If you need to talk to someone about what it means to follow Jesus and give your life to Him, then would you meet us down here? Let us pray with you. If you need to join this fellowship and be a part of what God's doing, we we want to talk with you and begin that conversation.
If you've been leaning on your own understanding for too long and you need to repent and say, look, Father, I, I, I repent and I want to turn back to, to, to leaning not on my own understanding, but chasing after you wholeheartedly because I've not shown trust in my life. Then repent. Run into the arms of a Savior who is running to you this morning. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray and we thank you. We thank you that you are the leader worth following. We thank you that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. But you will lead us from the moment we trust in you until the moment we see you face to face. Bless your people as you continue to speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand?